0: Comics have been read, action figures assembled, video games have been played, a battle decades in the making, two nerds enter the arena to do battle, two nerds leave the arena more nerdy than ever. It's time for a Nerd Deathmatch. We have Lee Bachma back from The Art of Lee Bachma to do another Nerd Deathmatch. That's
1: right. Thanks again for having me on. It's always a great fun when we get together to do these. Oh, yeah. It's a blast. I love it. Yep.
0: Real quick, though, why don't you introduce yourself to the listener for the first person or for the people that haven't heard these before or heard us talk sure, before.
1: Sure, sure. So I'm uh, Lee Bachma, not to be confused with the Lee <laughs> or your, your charming host. But uh, I'm a, an artist, generally do uh, comics, sci-fi, fantasy-style art. I'm a big fan of the Covert Nerd Show, and it's always <laughs> a, a great time to be on these and uh, get our uh, nerd deathmatch on. Definitely. We love these. Nerd death matches. You can find Lee at
0: Art of Lee Bachman on Facebook. Definitely hit him up for some artwork. He does excellent work doing a episode themed in the star wars universe because by the time you hear this the movie will be coming out soon the last of the trilogy we'll see if uh, they can redeem themselves but i don't know
1: <laughs> they've <laughs> got some work to do you got some work to do
0: <laughs> but anyway that's a so, whole other episode <laughs> yeah we could yeah maybe m- okay after it comes out we can maybe have another death match and burn all of our and books or something. I don't know. depends on how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) Or go buy a bunch more. Anyway, it's a Star Wars theme, so we pitted three Star Wars characters and then pit them against other characters that we thought were somewhat equally balanced in other universes and see who could win that type of battle yeah so that's the premise of this episode so i'll start first and i chose for my
1: first pick i went with the star wars side that's of right it. you're on the side of the force yes <laughs> and i'm the non-star wars yes <laughs> the non-star wars yeah. and i think our first category is vehicles is
0: what we yes to go we're with, gonna right? do vehicles first and the, my first pick is the millennium falcon It is, obviously, if you're a nerd, you know that this is from the Star Wars universe, Han Solo's ship, the Millennium Falcon. Well, not always his ship. uh, (laughs) Good point. Uh, Lando would have words to say about that, that he cheated. Okay, good point. (laughs) But uh, it is a Karelian-class ship, and you hear Han talk about how fast it is. He did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Which I found out, I didn't know this, but a parsec is a distance measure,
1: not a time measure. I thought it was a time measurement, but it's actually a distance. Yeah. The, the writers who put that in the original Star Wars obviously had like no idea what they were talking about <laughs> when they said that, you know, he did it in 12 parsecs. It's like saying yeah. I ran the mile in 12 meters. You know, it's like what? That makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the way I, when I was researching
0: it, it's the Kessel runs usually done in 18 parsecs. And the Kessel Run goes by a black hole. And so Han found a way to navigate the Kessel Run by getting closer to the black hole, which cut the the time down or the distance down. This is
1: from the Solo movie, right?
0: This is from the Expanded Universe, and I don't know if it was... Before Disney or after Disney, but that's where right I found. Because I know they
1: addressed it in a solo movie. Yeah, he, they made, did. he made the Kessel Run in that movie. Yes, which he did. Is actually, one of my favorite parts of that movie. Yes. and they kind of addressed that faux pas from a previous mm-hmm. uh, and, and explained the parsec. Yep. So that's
0: that's I didn't realize that that it was a. But that's how he cut the time down was by getting closer to the the black hole. Or Cut the distance down. Cut the distance down. Not yes. the time. Not the time. <laughs> the distance. Which. I assume if you cut the distance down, you cut the time down. I, I, uh, yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. You yeah, have the whole hyperspace quagmire or how to understand all that. But I guess basically hyperspace, from what I understand, is you're actually going faster than the speed of light, which you cut through the fabric of space and time. Uh, yeah. That's why when they're traveling, <laughs> they have this kind of fog, cloud effect, spinning effect. Right. As you're going through space and time, and you can see shadows of the quote-unquote, air-quote, real universe. Mm-hmm. And so the computers have to navigate and figure out how close you are to the real universe compared to the wow. hyperspace universe. It's really heady when I was reading it, and I'm like, I'm not even going to really try yeah, to it, attempt it much, but yeah. that's kind of what it is. You're that's ripping the fabric of space and time.
1: Yeah. Things that's what they're traveling. Anything beyond Newtonian physics. You just, it just <laughs> baffles my mind. But uh, yeah, it, it, it makes the quote interesting that he did it in 12 parsecs, because it's not a testament to how fast the ship was but it's more a testament to like the daring pilot who yes. did it because he flew it in a way that allowed him to bend Space yeah. basically, yeah, was has nothing to do with how fast the Millennium Falcon no. flies. No, it has more to do with the captain than the ship, right? That's what what he's kind of saying. So, so
0: remember that when we do uh, the, the death match at the end. <laughs> yes,
1: the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Good Parsec.
0: <laughs> it also talks about he says he can do 0.5 past light speed, and somebody, other nerds like us, have really deep dived into it oh, and wow. figured out how long or how fast the millennium falcon falcon actually is. Mm-hmm. So they measured how long it would take to go from Tatooine to well, where Alderon was, right, in the first movie, and they calculated it take about 14 hours. So the falcon's top speed is 25,000 light years per day. Or 1041.66 light years per hour. Okay. That's how they calculated this. That's moving. I, I'm not sure how <laughs> they figure, oh, I do kind of know they took a star map, I guess, from the expanded universe and figured out. Okay, if it's this distance on the map, this is how long it would be. And, and they just basically swagged how long the Millennium Falcon yeah. was flying in, yes. in Episode like 4. Estimating how long it, they were in the ship is yeah. how they calculated it. But So that's the speed, and I'll have a link in the show notes on the site that came up with that. So nerds way smarter than me <laughs> were able to figure this out. I mean, obviously, this is a fictional car- fictional right. vehicle, but still, it's kind of fun. It's a Corellian freighter that they was really popular. Made by the Corellian Engineering Corp, and we all know that Han Solo came from Corellia. He was orphaned there, mm-hmm. and that's where he got started. They like the smugglers liked it because the type of freighter was easily or easily interchangeable, so they could take things out, add things in, and and add to the engines. Add to uh, Han had added to the engines. He added to the shielding. And I think, no, it was just the shielding and the engines were the two things he modified. He didn't modify the weapons. Okay. But he did modify the engines to make it go faster, the, the .5 past light speed. And right. then he modified the shields. He also modified, smugglers liked it too because he could hide stuff in the ship.
1: And I think his modifications kind of came with it was a double-edged sword because a, a large portion of Empire, like the Falcon, was not yes. working. <laughs> yeah, yep. It was probably because of his ad hoc modification, yes. screwing stuff up.
0: Yes, you're exactly right. <laughs> he was always breaking, and Chewie was always yelling. And, yeah. and then we're like, oh, I feel like Chewie some days with your car or something. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> pounding on it. <laughs> and Han would... Punch the the top of it, and, right. and turn it back on again. When in doubt, punch stuff. Right? <laughs> exactly. Ultimate fix all that in duct tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, they also, they used them, I guess, primarily as tugboats for giant container ships, too. That's oh. what they use the Millennium Falcon, or really? the, those type of
1: ships for, is tugboats. Mm. That's so interesting, because tugboats, you normally don't associate that with sort of a speedy, maneuverable yeah. craft. But obviously, the Millennium Falcon is very maneuverable. Very maneuverable. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. can
0: fit through tight spaces, even the Death Star, and Lando knocked the shield off. <laughs> yep. But uh, speaking of weapons, though, it does have weapons. It has two quad laser cannons. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us, when we were kids, sat and pretended? We were Luke Skywalker shooting TIE oh, fighters. Yeah, that's
1: those quad cannons that he was on, right in and the and middle on. of the ship, and they could see each other down that, uh, that vertical <laughs> shaft. Yep, so you got one at the top, one at the bottom. Yeah, that's very like reminiscence of like World War II bombers. Oh, yeah, with their, with their bubble turrets on top and bottom mm-hmm. and side gunners, where they could all see each other. That's what I loved about it. That they pulled from that historical context, and it was pretty cool. They must have, yeah, because that's that was
0: how they how they ran them. But evidently, you could run them without somebody in it. Because wasn't it in Return of the Jedi, they were shooting
1: other ships with it, or maybe it was Empire. I can't remember. Yeah, this is something I never understood because that one scene in Star Wars is the only in New Hope is the only one you see where they actually go down in the gun turn, so they're being chased. But every other time they're being chased, no one ever mans those guns. Yeah, so those are droid in
0: there, yeah, or I maybe you on. can. I, I assume maybe you can run them remotely. Right. From the front deck, I guess I, I don't. But know. then, why did they go and I don't know. There's just also of <laughs> of <plot> holes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, he's got four turrets. Yeah. Laser, quad lasers. This is something I didn't know. Two concussion missile tubes, which fit kind of in the forward mandibles. So those two kind of yeah. teeth. There's missile turrets there, missile tubes there, excuse me, that have four missiles, so two each, I believe is how he they never shot it. them? Never shot in them? In the movies that I recall. No, I think this is from the Expanded Universe. Oh, okay. Have the, I have the little die cut and it'll be in the show notes where it has the Which is no longer out. canon, right? Like yeah,
1: it's, it's legends. It's legends now. Not <laughs> legends canon. Out. Yeah, not He's, canon. These are just myths you speak of. Exactly. Folklore. Let's stick to the facts in this death match.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, just the facts <laughs> only, man. <laughs> and then the ground buzzer, the blast that came down on Hoth Mm -hmm. when they were... When the uh, ship wasn't working. Yes, when the (laughs) ship wasn't working again. (laughs) Notice how many times I'm pointing out that it's not working. There must be a reason for that. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So he's got the little cannon that shoots all the Imperial troopers that come out. So he's got the quad cannons, the missile turrets, and then that little... Ground buzzer, they call right. it as, as far as the weapons go. Right. So that's basically the Millennium Falcon. Doesn't really age wise. I'm guessing. Let's see. I think I read that they started manufacturing these about ten to fifteen. I think it's twenty years before the Battle of Yavin. I think is when they started manufacturing these, and then okay. up until I think four or five years after the. Uh, after the empire took over so about 25 years manufactured mm-hmm. these things really
1: popular i guess they sold a lot of them in the yeah.
0: in the fictional universe One
1: of the things I'd like to reflect on, uh, the Millennium Falcon is such a, like, paradox, because when you think of, like, cool spaceships that I loved as a kid, they all had, like, this cool, like, rocket sleek, like, Mm -hmm. bird of prey kind of awesome look. And then there's the Millennium Falcon, which is like a Frisbee with two, two, like, prongs that stick out the front in this weird, like, side cockpit. But yet, even though it looks so like weird and dorky, I love that shit. Yeah, I know. It's just something cool about it, even though it it looks like crap.
0: Yes, <laughs> you know? yes, and they really definitely tell an empire that they emphasize that it just doesn't run well.
1: Right, right. <laughs> they, they gave it a lot of character. It was a very flawed character, yeah. which makes it interesting.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Um, brought out Han Solo's character as well, and Ellen Chewie and everybody. Yeah, they're trying to get this thing to. Up and running And right. it, you know, navigated through the asteroid belt, which is something yeah. that they commented on. As you just don't
1: do that, right? But yeah, it was such a cool ship, even though it looked like a, like junk. It looked like junk, but you know, you look at an X-wing that looks cool, yeah, you know, yeah. and, uh, Star Destroyers look cool, but that thing it looks like crap. But I love that ship. It's something uh, about it. Could do anything.
0: I remember yeah. on Empire, he magnetically stuck himself to the back of a Star Destroyer. Oh yeah, that's
1: right. And waited for the junk, junk to be thrown out. Yeah. We'll, we'll float out with the rest of. The junk which you again know. just alludes
0: Ta-da. to the fact that it's
1: junk <laughs> exactly <laughs> so that's all i have so what is your pick so trying to keep up with a ship that's junk <laughs> and um is a little you know it's kind of an underwhelming ragtag ship I, I i searched the non-star wars universe and i decided to go with uh, serenity from yeah. the firefly tv series and movie i think their personality wasn't they're very close ships yeah like they're They belong to men who are kind of anti-hero, dodgy kind of guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're both kind of piles of junk that have seen, like, you know, better days maybe, maybe being repurposed for something they weren't, you know, initially made for. Yep. Uh, So that's why I decided to go with Serenity. All right. Uh, So Serenity, like I said, it's from the TV show Firefly and the subsequent movie named Serenity. So it's, the name of the ship is actually Serenity. Uh, It's a Firefly Firefly class ship. I'm going to get that (laughs) word right there. (laughs) And, um, it's, uh, originally designed by the director of that series, Joss Whedon. So yeah. Think, like, Buffy the Vampire oh, yeah. Slayer. And, um,
0: See, some, he did some Marvel stuff. Didn't he do, well, he did the Justice League movie, I think. Was it just like I thought he did it. Maybe. I can't remember. He I thought it was some something. of the early,
1: like, Avengers stuff. Maybe it was. Yeah. i no, I could be off. Anyway, viewers. Let us know how jacked up we are. Yeah, how how bad do we screw that one up? Um, Anyway. Anyway, it's a Firefly-class transport ship, and it was uh, owned by one Malcolm Reynolds. Yep. And he named it Serenity from the uh, Battle of the Serenity Valley. uh, In the the war that happened right before the Firefly series kicks off, he's a soldier that ended up on the wrong side of the war, and it was a very traumatic battle for him, a Serenity Valley battle. And so he named the ship uh, Serenity after that. Uh, anyway, uh, Malcolm puts together a ragtag crew, and they're kind of living on the edge of the universe, I'm you know, summing up the show, basically, and they're kind of on the run from the powers that won the war. They live by you know smuggling or taking odd jobs or doing whatever they can to kind of scrape by, living on the yeah, outskirts kind of, of the thing. wild, wild west. Right. right. And th- there's similar concepts in Star Wars, where there's like the outer rim planets yep. and stuff where – I think Han Solo probably yeah. works as a That's Spider-Man. why
0: he's on Tantooine, and he's yeah, on the outskirts of basically the fringe of the universe where
1: the laws of what the Empire don't necessarily apply here. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of correlation oh, between yeah. these two ships as far as personality and circumstances. Unlike uh, the Millennium Falcon, when I try to do the deep dive and the research on Serenity had a l- real trouble kind of getting like exact specifics. It's hard to find out how fast it was. And it just doesn't have like the fervent, like rabid fan base, no, I think, that no. Star Wars has where they
0: try yeah. to figure all this stuff out. Well, you got 40 years of Star Wars fans. Right. Compared to, you know, 10 or 15 of Serena. Well, let's see. It came out in early 2000, I think. Yeah, that sounds
1: about right. Early yeah. 2000s. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so I don't have a speed that I can throw against the Millennium Falcon. I do know, and this is much to my chagrin after I picked Serenity, and I forgot this from the original series, the Serenity has no weapon systems aboard. Yep. So this death match might be um, a little one-sided. Short, short-lived. <laughs> I'm just going to hope the Millennium Falcon is not running this day. <laughs> Hopefully it's It does break down. Yeah. And if I recall from the Firefly series, the Firefly had some mechanical issues, but it, it always ran. Like, it never yes. was broken down.
0: We had the character Katie, I think. Kay- Kaylee. Sh-
1: Kaylee. Yeah. She, she was, was a mechanic. master
0: mechanic. She could fix anything. That was kind of this, her shtick.
1: Yeah. Was, yeah. She was like this, you know, young, attractive woman. Someone you would not, like, stereotypically by uh, masculine, feminine tropes, you know, expect yes. to be this, like, wizard on in mechanics. And she always kept that ship yeah. kind of humming, even though it was, like, held together by duct tape you know, <laughs> and hope. It
0: was kind of yeah, yeah. It was kind of the same thing. It, was, it, it you got the appearance that it was kind of in bad shape, but yeah, she kept it running ship yeah. shape and it never had a problem. Yeah, but if there was a problem with it, she fixed it right away. And
1: yeah, and I think also um, we were talking about Han Solo being a daring, bold pilot that was able to do the Kessel Run. Um, Wash, <laughs> who was the pilot of uh, of Serenity, yes. was also like a fairly renowned pilot that was known for doing things that most pilots couldn't do. Throughout the series, is often noted that he was making Serenity do things that were like nearly impossible. Like, he was like this great pilot. Okay, yeah, because he was married to the other
0: gal that was in the war with Mal, Zoe. Zoe, Zoe yeah, yeah, she with was Mal. a sol-
1: soldier with Malcolm. in, yeah,
0: in the, in the yeah. Wars. They allude to the war quite a bit. That was pretty traumatic, and I think it was the Chinese versus the Americans, or I don't, I don't remember what it was. I don't
1: remember. There, there is a uh, a strange like Eastern blending with Western culture in that show, which I always thought fascinating that mm-hmm. they would slip back and forth between the English and Mandarin all the time. Yes. Yeah, the dialogue was, and yeah. a lot of the signs were in you know Mandarin Chinese and stuff when they landed on planets and it was just kind of this weird like yeah. the two cultures had merged somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was fascinating to me. I don't remember how was it 150 years in the future or something like that. I don't or recall like, uh, space travel been going on for quite a while. I know that. Yeah. Well, and it also the main one of the main themes or vibes of the show is they kind of were trying to take that old west vibe and smash it yeah. together with sci-fi. So there was this weird kind of frontiery yeah. cowboy kind of you know space cowboys, space cowboys basically. Yeah. I mean, it was it was cool that, that they did that. Nathan Fillion did a TV show called
0: Castle, and mm-hmm. for Halloween one time he dressed up as a space cowboy, and he had a daughter, and he, she, she's like. Space cowboy? And he's like, Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was pretty much dressed in his Mao outfit.
1: Yeah, because yeah, he had like a long duster on, yeah. his like laser pistol looked laser like pistol. a big revolver kind of thing. <laughs> and, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, there was a there was a weird blending of like the American West mixed with like Mandarin Chinese in that show. It was just yeah. awesome. It's a good show. Oh I, yeah. I wish I wish they would have gone at least another
0: season, but I know there's fans out there that have been pleading and begging to at least go another episode or two.
1: the greatest show killed before. Yeah. For whatever reason, it was.
0: You would think with Netflix and Hulu, somebody would pick that that up, but I suppose Fox owns it, so. Yeah, I I don't know the intellectual property who got it. You know, if Disney
1: bought Serenity or bought. Uh, Firefly. Yeah, this could happen. This could happen. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, I wanted to point out that Firefly did make a couple of cameo appearances. One in the uh, Battlestar Galactica reboot, like in the early two thousands. Okay, and it also made a cameo appearance in Ready Player One, the movie that just came out a couple oh. of years ago. So, okay, it's in the battle scene, probably. I would assume so. That because I, I was thinking about that as I saw that note. I'm like, I don't recall that. Ship in that show, but it must have been when all like uh, the, all the Gunters came to the rescue at that big battle at the end. Yeah, and I'm sure they just threw in the background.
0: They threw everything into yeah. that that scene. I bet yeah. Well, every,
1: everything except Star Wars properties. Yeah. That for was some reason, huge mm. void. I wonder why they didn't use yeah. any Star Wars properties in that movie. <laughs> uh,
0: crazy. So all um, right. Well, anything anyways,
1: else? Yeah. So on, other than being unarmed, she does have some decoys called crybabies that kind of launch out mm. and to other ships' radars or sensors. Mm-hmm. It looks like a ship going in a different direction, which allows the firefly to basically escape. Oh, or elude okay. Him. So even though she can't fire back, she can elude you and trick you into thinking there are multiple okay. ships out there. Any cloaking abilities that you know? Of? Not, not that I remember. Just those decoys. Just those decoys out. that would kind of be like, you see like in um, submarine technology day where they send out like those mm-hmm. buoys, sonar buoys or whatever, yeah. and it tricks other submarines into thinking that the submarine's somewhere else Rather than where it is. Okay. I think okay. that's the premise they were kind of going on. Okay. So somebody had a little bit of naval knowledge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently. Well, it's like, well, what are they gonna give a weapon? You know, why didn't they give it oh well, I think if I remember correctly, in the lore and the T V storyline, weapons were outlawed other than the military. I think is why it didn't have any weapons.
1: It could be. I think it was also meant to be like a transport ship, basically. Yeah. It wasn't meant to be a warship, so okay. it's like you know, someone making a school bus and putting a machine gun turn. Okay. It just like, makes no sense for like, why would you do that? Okay. So that, that's what I, that, that's the premise I got anyway of why it's an unarmed ship. Okay. On. And then, um, cause he's a smuggler. Yeah. So But, uh, another thing I want to bring up, but this is kind of similar to Millennium Falcon. One of the, great parts about that show is the interior of that ship looked so real. Like it looked lived in, it looked like someone like lived in that ship and it was a real ship. Like they did a great job designing that set Mm -hmm. um, of all those interior scenes. And I want to say I was watching, this was years ago the one of the special features on their DVD set for Firefly, there was a special feature at the end where they, uh, feature the ship and it was like all one contiguous set like you could really like walk oh, through that it, it okay. wasn't separate sets it was like really they were connected like you would see them really on the ship so you could walk you know okay. obviously there's some fakeness to it they're well like, yeah fully fleshed out and I, I recall in that episode or that special feature some of the actors would like to get into character they would like walk through the ship because it was so kind of real and lived in that helped them get into character wow
0: i didn't know that yeah usually they just build okay, here's the cockpit. Right. And then, oh, you got to go over to Studio B, and that's going to be the living quarters. quarters. And you go over here, and this is the engine room. Right. That's cool. So they just had all one big wide
1: set. Yep. That was all interconnected, as it would be, really, if it were a real ship.
0: That must be Joss's. Idea, maybe
1: it could be, you know, but it was uh, a it was good a pretty idea. cool, yeah. And it, for me, it really made the ship seem
0: real. Oh, yeah, when you saw yeah. it in the series, so oh, it did. They very good set design. So, whoever right. did the set design was
1: definitely worth the money, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure about the Millennium Falcon, but I got the same vibe from that. Like, when they're walking around the Millennium Falcon, it seems like legitimately it does real and like. So lived in and, you know, things were beat up and rubbed down and, you know. Kind of dirty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like some of these sci-fi shows where everything just has an air of fakeness. Like, it was clearly they just built this the week before. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely got that vibe in Empire Strikes Back
0: when they spent a majority of that movie in the Millennium Falcon Mm -hmm. and outside. And just, you got to know that ship inside and out. Right. Firefly 2, they spent a lot of time. The bulk of it, well. Yeah, I mean, the bulk of the time was on the ship. I mean, they went to Planets. And yeah, I mean, they named, they named the show after the ship. Yeah, after the so ship, so yeah. yeah I guess true. character. And I don't know. think towards the end they never blew it up or anything that I remember.
1: I'm trying to remember because uh, the series was canceled before yeah. it had yeah. resolution. And, and then, then a couple the, years afterwards they had the movie movies. Serenity. And they didn't destroy it then, I don't think. Uh, man, it's been so many years since I've seen it. I know, a, spoiler alert, some characters die. Yes. I don't know if the ship's in that cast or not, if the ship was destroyed or not. Yeah. The best was the revelation that
0: Shepherd's not actually a shepherd.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, that guy had, and, a, yeah. <laughs> had some different history. Such a great show.
0: Yeah, I know. I remember yeah. seeing that episode. That ain't no Shepherd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
0: what are yeah. they talking about? Him? Yeah. I'm sure the forums online just lit up.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's do battle. All right, so, let's do it. I suppose the scenario... They're in space. Mm -hmm. They face each other, I guess. If the Millennium Falcon is running.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If the other. Sometimes that's a big if. I will deploy crybabies and run away. (laughs) As fast as possible. (laughs) Because I am an unarmed smuggler ship.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And like we said,
1: the running the Kessel run
0: wasn't necessarily the ship, it's the pilot. So, and I think you got. So now. Help me
1: out. Mal doesn't pilot it. Wash pilots Wash it. Wash pilots it. Mal just owns the ship. He's the captain, but he's not the, right. he's He not doesn't fly it. Okay. So Wash is always the pilot. See, I don't know. want to make kind of a push because the Millennium Falcon, there's some amazing scenes through asteroid belts and all yeah. these crazy things that Chewie and Han and Lando uh, flew that thing. Yes. But Firefly is the same. Like, Wash did some, like, amazing piloting stuff in that yeah. show. Yeah. So, you know, for me to try to outmaneuver the Millennium Falcon, I don't know if that's like New just... Stuff. A, yeah, because really <laughs> The only way I'm going to damage the Millennium Falcon is if, like, I draw you in real close and make a maneuver, and you fly into, you know, crash into an asteroid, an asteroid, asteroid or, or black hole, or right. If you're talking open space, you know, for right, trying to get through an asteroid field, yeah, I suppose you could. Yeah, but with this battle an asteroid field, there might be a mistake it, that it, leads yeah. to something. But other than that, it's just like deploy crab babies and run away,
0: <laughs> <laughs> run for your lives. Because the, the Millennium Falcon also has shielding. I don't know that the
1: Firefly is. He has types. of of type of shielding. Do not recall if it has shielding or not? Yeah, because... Not that it really matters. Not, yeah. Ju- I mean, what, what can I do? Throw something out the window <laughs> or
0: something? Yeah, roll down the window. <laughs> Mal has a handgun. He has a window down. Yeah, and then he's shooting shoot out the out window the, like
1: a gangster. Yeah, <laughs> drive-by
0: style. <laughs> pistol sideways. Han just sitting there like, ah, we got this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just shoot him with the missile, Chewie, or you know, yeah. fly casual. I
1: don't know. <laughs> yeah, so in a gunfight, I think, I think the Serenity is outclassed.
0: Yeah, I can try to run, but... It's it's yeah. only a matter of time, and like I said, the Millennium Falcon can literally cut
1: through time and space. Yeah, I don't think the uh, Serenity could like break light speed. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it'd go pretty fast, but I don't, I yeah. don't ever recall it like going beyond light speed in that yeah. show. I don't think any ship went beyond light speed in that show. I don't I think so. It.
0: I don't think they they did that. So that's right. one thing that's kind of unique to the Star Wars universe. So right. it's probably a pretty over or over pretty quickly for Wash and and Mal.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to probably concede this one. (laughs) As much as I love that ship. I know. uh,
0: It it might not last long. No, I I chose poorly. (laughs)
1: Yeah, oh well.
0: Well, you the listener, you let us know. Maybe we missed something that might give the Firefly, or excuse me, the Serenity... A chance against the Millennium Falcons. so definitely let us know where we where we messed up at because we're definitely not perfect in this Star Wars slash Serenity universe. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got the
1: next one. I'll Lee, you go first with your next one. All right, so in the first uh, matchup, we did vehicles. Okay. This one, we're going with antiheroes. Yes. Right. So we've each chosen an antihero. You're selecting from the Star Wars universe. So, listener, I guess you're probably going to figure out pretty rapidly who the hero <laughs> uh, he's going to pick. Yep. Um, Shouldn't and, take um, one. In order to match wits with, you know, who the guy that you know he's going to pick, <laughs> I've decided to go with Indiana Jones. Yes. But so it, we're going to have some Harrison Ford on Harrison Ford action uh-oh. because everyone knows you're picking Han Solo. We just went explicit. <laughs> Usually you got to pay extra for that kind of action, Cotton. Uh, so Indiana Jones is who I'm picking in the antihero to go against uh, your Han Solo. Okay. So uh, Indiana Jones, he is from originally from the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, which later became a franchise to include four movies. Which mm-hmm. sounds like there's going to be a fifth, from what I hear. Yeah, so there's another one coming out. I heard that. We'll see. Uh, there was a TV show like Young Indiana Young Indiana Jones, Jones. off, yep. and then a variety of mediums from comic books and storybooks, video, video games, so so all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. Uh, so, M.A. Jones was the uh, the main character in that. It was originally casted to be Tom Selleck. And, yeah. And um, Tom Selleck, was, uh, from what I read, was all over it. Like, he wanted to do it, and it was going to be great. But he was currently under contract with Magnum P.I., and they wouldn't let him out of his contract for the time uh, it would have taken to shoot this movie. Mm-hmm. So, they went with their second call, which was Harrison Ford. Spielberg had already done, like, two or three movies with Harrison at this point, between Star Wars and, like, American Graffiti. and I mean, Lucas... Oh, Lucas, yeah, yeah, my bad. I mean, Spielberg, I think, was involved, but... Yeah, yeah. But, but he basically, they were afraid, like, oh, we're going to use Harrison Ford again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, so after Selleck wasn't able to get out, they, they actually had to go with... Uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, and obviously, he made it like an icon. Oh, right? yeah. Can you imagine Tom, Tom Selleck? Selleck? I don't know. It would be it's weird to... so embedded. Be, right, it's so embedded. Um don't get me wrong I love Tom Selleck I was a huge Magnum PI fan growing up mm-hmm. so I, I would actually like to see a Tom Selleck Indiana Jones but how different would that be from Harrison Ford Indiana Jones you know It's just so good yeah so anyway Indiana Jones we're talking about iconic characters the American Film Institute ranked him the second greatest film hero of all time really i'm pretty sure Han solo is not number one that's Just what i was wondering you know? what's number one it's not it's not on solo okay well, well i didn't google it but it's probably not on solo oh, wow
0: oh interesting yeah i yeah you think about that during the 80s i mean everybody knew who indiana jones was mm-hmm. even your grandma would know oh okay that's that guy that's right. running in front of the
1: boulder yeah <laughs> you should probably google that one you're where you're talking Han Solo. okay Entertainment Weekly Empire Magazine also ranked him second on their all-time coolest heroes and pop culture list all sorts of you know he's obviously a clearly iconic oh, character yeah. uh, from American film and uh, so, anyway, the, the character, he's uh, Indiana Jones, is a native of Princeton, New Jersey. He became a professor of archaeology. He studied under renowned uh, Egyptologist and archaeologist Abner Ravenwood, who oh, his daughter, yeah, daughter. Is, is who he yep. uh, works with in the first uh, indie movie. <laughs> we often see him, and I, I love this about his character, while when he was out on his archaeological adventures, like he was a rough and tumble guy that like, could make stuff happen and very. You know, just down to earth and, you know, a guy that would throw fisticuffs and shoot guns and whips and do all sorts of crazy things. But when he got back to his university, he was like, you know, he put on the little tweed jacket and his little glasses. And um, not to say that he was dumb when he was out on his adventures, but you clearly saw a different like intellectual side of him when he was on campus. And uh, I, I love that part, of, like in the first movie where he's on campus and like the girls are flirting with yes. him. Yeah, and then the guy the comes things to, on his her eyes. It, he's it, like, he's like, what? what? <laughs> he's like clearly socially uncomfortable with this.
0: <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He gets out. He gets his his gun on and his whip on, and he's almost he's a different, different person.
1: different uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde yeah. almost. And, and I, mean, I love that about his character, where he was kind of formed by his environment. That's a good point. He was. was he at the? He was at the university
0: in all of them, or they showed him at the university? I think in all of them. But the first one was... Probably more most. trans more transformative, or, or more yeah. Iconic. We're building that character still. Yeah, yeah. I
1: don't remember him much in the second one. I thought I just started out and he was already in like the Far East. Yeah, he was in the Far East because he was the, at like that nightclub or whatever. Yeah. To escape from that and like yeah, that, that little the kid in the taxi like drove yeah. him away. Yeah, yeah. No
0: time for love, Doctor Jones.
1: Doctor Jones. Dr. Jones. <laughs> yeah. But
0: the third one, he I think he was at the
1: university because he got uh, yeah, a letter or, or something. This, about his father, mother. which yeah. let him go on. The th- yeah, I think yeah. there was a brief moment when he was out there. Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one, I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah, we, does that make really <laughs> <exist? No>. sense? <laughs> just kidding.
0: <laughs> it was, yeah, briefly, it was okay, but just definitely not
1: like the other ones. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Speechless. Anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, Indiana Jones, uh, he's armed with a whip. Uh, it's a bull whip, usually about 8 to 10 feet long, I would say. Uh, he uses it for a variety of things. He uses it a weapon to disarm mm-hmm. people. He uses it as a way to like get across obstacles. Uh, it's kind of an all purpose tool for yeah, him. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I love the whip. Did you try to make a whip when you were a kid like that? Oh yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yep, yep. And you can you can make a whip, but you couldn't get it to crack like a bull whip. Nope. Yeah, you had to get like the right s- s- swatches of leather. And h- I don't know how they do that at the end where they s- they snap off each other to make yep. that bull whip sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I tried to use a rope or something. Yeah, I didn't have a, it was beyond my eight year old powers to yeah he still tried to whip it around
0: a tree branch and swing across like he did it just doesn't work.
1: it never latches on no, itself like no, that it just like no. twirls around and you yep. pull on it and it comes undone <laughs> <laughs> anyway sorry to interrupt but you anyway. know so yeah that was kind of his swiss army knife he had that bullwhip and he did all sorts of cool stuff with it uh, he also carried a like a revolver pistol and i don't want to say it's probably like a world war one or post world war one era because the first indie movie was set just prior to, like, the opening days of World War Two, mm-hmm. or not maybe opening yeah. days, but the years prior. Yeah. To, like, just late, a few, like, 36, maybe. Yeah, mid-late 30s, maybe, right before the war kicked <laughs> yeah. off. But I would say that Indiana Jones, despite the whip and the gun, his greatest weapon is probably his keen intellect. Like, throughout the movies, he's constantly solving problems, constantly getting out of trouble using his his brains. Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere from, like, disarming traps or, like, his knowledge of Shiva to defeat um, – what was that guy's name? Mularam. Um, oh, Molo- yeah. Mularam or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, knowing that – if you get inside of a fridge, you can survive a nuclear blast. I mean, <laughs> I literally a smart guy. I, I thought we were not going to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that up. One of the greatest, like, jump the shark moments in all. Of oh the, gosh, uh, yes! Is when he survived that nuclear blast in a in a fridge. Uh, so you had to you have to talk about that. <laughs> yes, You don't want to. Because um, so, he
0: always kept his cool. He never seemed to really get well. Too I don't fresh. know. Or in a, in a tense situation. Yeah, you just- unless snakes were involved.
1: Well, okay. I was about mm-hmm. to say his weakness is snakes. That's okay. the one thing that unnerves his cool. Yes. But you're right. Normally, he's pretty calm collected. He's always pr- solving problems and using critical thinking unless snakes are involved. And then like... Why did it have oh, to be snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That was also... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love this movie and I will always love this movie. But when they open up that one t- uh, tomb or whatever it was in the, near the end of uh, Raiders, yes. the thing's been sealed for thousands of years. Like when they crack it open, like the air, air like comes shoots out. Yes. out and everything. And then there's thousands of living snakes in there. I'm like, how did those snakes survive? Like A <laughs> You know... What well, they remember they eat? had the holes in the wall. But still... Yeah, it was sealed. Like when they broke it, that's a good point. So that the whole thing had to be sealed. Like, how did those snakes survive for millennia? You know, in the the dark, in the the cold, the reptiles. Yeah, what did they eat? You know. Lots of cockroaches, I guess. I don't know. And the, eventually the air would have just become so, like, yeah, if it was carbon dioxide. That's a good point. If it was sealed, yeah, they're it wouldn't have done oxygen. That. Yeah. If, uh, if there's any way to get out, that, that they wouldn't have broke the seal. Hey, okay, George, it. you need to explain that. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, every movie's got its plot holes. <laughs> yeah. But that was one of those things where I'm like, this is clearly not realistic. <laughs> it was a great movie. I, oh, yeah. And I watched it,
0: I think, quite a few years later. See, my brother had some friends over, and they watched it. And I was probably eight or nine, and I don't know that. Well, let my nine-year-old watch it. It's kind of, it's pretty bloody, and
1: oh yeah, you
0: know, he shoots the guys, and it goes through all three of those, and the guy gets cut up by the propeller. I was gonna say
1: that's the nastiest one. And that i remember the guy melts his face, of course. Oh yeah, it's, when they open the arc, and like. One guy melts, multiple guys melt, yeah. And blow up, blow up, yeah. And one guy,
0: he's driving that truck, and he he falls off the truck and just <laughs> run over, and his legs and arms just go straight up in the air.
1: I forgot about that. He runs, and, that guy yeah. Over.
0: I mean, it's like wow. Or at the beginning, you know, he has the guy spikes go through the guy. Yeah. I really love George's. You can say what you want about George, but I do like these little vignettes or whatever that he puts at the beginning of every movie. Does that in the Star Wars movie? Mm-hmm. Does that in Indiana Jones? where We have this little short. 20, it, it kind of ties to the, the rest of it but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, where he goes to the jungle and he has to swap out the the, the figure and stuff. And, yep. And then on in Star Wars, for example, you have Hoth, you have Jabba's Palace, you, know, you have a little intro.
1: Yeah.
0: I like that. It just explores a little bit yeah, character, character development, little, yeah. little
1: side quest, whatever that's kind yeah, of yeah. gives you a vibe of what the theme of the movie's about, what the yeah, character's going to yeah. be about. I'm surprised my parents let me watch it. I was like, wow, well, that's kind of. But of course, we know. I think it was Simple Doom.
0: That's the one that started the PG 13 requirements. Oh, was it? Because of ripping the guy's heart out of his yeah. chest.
1: And like, this is PG? <laughs> yeah. Oh, You used to be able to get away with some crazy stuff for PG yeah, in the yeah. 80s before they had PG 13. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, as you can probably guess, my character is Han Solo. So mm-hmm. another Harrison Ford character. Han Solo, of course, is the anti-hero in Star Wars that doesn't believe in the Force, and he's just free. Nobody can. Nobody backs him in a corner, so to speak, and he can kind of do whatever he wants. And speaking of casting, you talked about Tom Selleck. Well, Kurt Russell actually had applied an audition for the part. And you can see that
1: audition on YouTube, so I'll include it in the show notes. So Kurt Russell could have been Han Solo. I can see that. I loved Kurt Russell. He did a lot of great antiheroes from uh, Escape from New York, Mm -hmm. Big Trouble in Little China. China. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did some great characters that
0: kind of fit that same antihero. So that one you might be able to see maybe more than a Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. I don't know. Yeah. See, I think some other – let's see, Al Pacino, Nick Nolte, Christopher Walken – or some others that were considered for,
1: for Han Solo. I don't think Kurt Russell would have been the only one out of that. I would yeah, have. out of that group. I mean, do, don't get me wrong. A lot Those guys are great actors, and they could probably do some interesting things with that character. But Kurt Russell would definitely be my second choice from that list. Yeah, he'd be the only one I think that would, would make
0: it. His iconic look is the gun, of course, and then the white... The white shirt with the blue vest, and then the little sidearm that he has. Yeah. And he has the the gun. Speaking of the gun, so the gun is a DL44-type pistol, I guess. Okay. Highly modifiable. So we have the theme here. The Millennium Falcon was highly modifiable. His gun is highly modifiable. Okay. So I think... Han just doesn't like anything the way it is. He likes to tinker, I He's guess. a tinkerer. <laughs> but uh, it's a pistol based upon a Mauser C96 mm-hmm. semi-automatic pistol that was produced in Germany from 1896 to 1937. Mm-hmm. And I'll have a picture in the show notes, and you can see, oh, yeah, this is definitely a lot like it. Yeah, they just put some pieces of plastic around the outside of it. And pretty much. Yeah. It's, they did that awesome. a lot. Yeah. in I think in Star Wars, or not Star Wars, Star Trek, one of the communicators that they had, I don't remember which one. So if you're a Star Trek fan, I'm probably totally screwing up. But one of them was just a painted Bic razor.
1: They oh, really? painted and put
0: something on top of it, so it looks like a. You know, he kind of holds it in his hand, like a, and he
1: talks into it. And Interesting. That's all it was, but anyway, yeah. that's kind of what they did here. They just uh, let's put some stuff on this gun. <laughs> in in a way, I, I kind of like that though, because as long as you can make it look different enough, where you, it, it's not instantly recognizable, it makes that weapon system seem real. Yes, because it is real. It you is. Know? You're just yeah. putting something on it, so it gives that sense of grit that we were kind of talking about with the Serenity of the Millennium Falcon. We're like, this looks like a legit. Gun. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, obviously you had to deck it up a little bit. If it just looked like a Mauser, then you'd be like, "Why does I still have a Mauser a 1896 <laughs> <Yeah>. gun?" <laughs> but it was a
0: powerful, reliable sidearm. The feature was that it would buzz when it gets down to five shots left, so that the person holding it would know, "Okay, I'm getting low on low on energy here." And I guess it was good in the fact that it was really powerful. Bad in the fact that it didn't have a lot of distance. Okay. So if you're trying to shoot somebody 200 feet away, probably wouldn't work. But if you're 30 feet away, it's going to shoot a hole right yeah. through you. <laughs> well, that's pretty true of pistols anyway. I mean, yeah. pistols aren't long-range weapons okay. to start with. They're supposed to be short-range. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I'm not a weapons expert. Yeah, get, so, okay. get your so rifle just, if you want to shoot a long distance. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good point. But yeah. So that was the good and the bad. But it was highly modifiable, which a lot of smugglers and mm-hmm. bounty hunters and military liked. He did use Chewie's crossbow once, mm-hmm. I remember, in Force Awakens. He was like, what, you never shot this? You'd been hanging oh, around Chewie for... Thirty years or whatever, he right. never shot his his bowcaster, so uh, that was the
1: only time he shot that. And he kind of liked it too. He did. <laughs> he did. Yeah, that's right. He did. There like was some that. regret after that. He's like, "Why haven't I shot this thing yeah. before?" Like that should all these
0: years. <laughs> yeah. And digging into his personality, of course, we know Han shot first, mm-hmm. so he is a little bloodthirsty. You talked about Indiana Jones being able to function under pressure, Mm -hmm. but we have the scene in the Star Wars New Hope when they break into the the jail. I think he blows up the the cameras. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll try to quote it here. Uh, Had a slight weapons malfunction, (laughs) but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all... Fine here now.
1: Thank you. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Quickly thought about like, what's your identification number or something like that? Yes. And then he shoots it. Then he just shoots it. Boring conversation anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. Yeah. I've been at that. You're like, uh, what do I say now? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you were talking about, um, Han Sha first. Such a great scene to establish his yes. character. Yeah. Totally defined him as the anti-hero, the guy that's willing to bend the, the laws to get you know what he needs done. Not afraid to shoot first, shoot under the table, shoot a guy in the back. Yeah, and just casually pays the guy on the way out. Yeah. Sorry about the mess. Sorry about the mess. And <laughs> such a great way to establish his character. I know. Um, and I think it's you saw something similar to that with Indiana Jones. Uh, in the, in the chase scene, I think it's through Cairo. Okay. And, um, he's constantly fighting off all these henchmen and thugs that are chasing him. And he finally comes to the one, the guy that's got the scimitar and he's yes. spinning it and he's just like, nope. He, instead of going for the whip, he just pulls the gun out and like shoots, shoots the guy <laughs> like right in cold blood. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good point. So he establishes like, you know what? I'm just, I'm tired of these guys. Right. Just, I'm just going to shoot you. Yeah, I'm clearly the anti-hero, you know. Yeah. The rules yeah. of honor. You and know, are obi difficult. One sets it up, too, and then starting back to Star Wars, it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yep. And the guy, you know, Mon shoots two. him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, obviously, yeah, establishes the fact that rules don't apply. He was a space jock. He was just larger than life. Kind of like I said, he was free to roam the universe. He just wanted to not take sides. He just... He dropped his loot, is why, because the Empire was trying That's to what Jabba him. Was after him. Jabba was after him because he dropped his loot and or, or Jabba wanted his money back. Right. If Han was one of your friends, he'd be the guy who gets a little too drunk at the bar, probably doesn't pay his tab. He also is going to be the funniest person there and the one guy you always want to go out with night after night. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yes, yes. In the Star Wars movie, back to kind of the original script, I found out that originally Lucas wanted him as a green-skinned alien Jedi with gills. So he kind of looked Weird. like, yeah, he, <laughs> he kind of looked like Swamp Thing. Wow! And Luke was much older. And Dark Horse actually made a comic based upon Lucas's original script, mm-hmm. and so they draw him in here as the green-skinned green alien. Green-skinned alien. Yeah, I've
1: never seen it. I just found out about it that's just a few days ago that that's something that they did. When you were rummaging through that, I've heard rumors, and I'm not sure if you came across this as well that Luke Skywalker's character was also a woman in the original. Oh, I don't remember that. By Lucas, it when might he was, have. had you know uh, Han as a green skinned alien. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I've heard rumors. Yeah, I've never, that's no a good no one. Confirm that or not? Well, listener, if you know that, let us know.
0: I'd be curious. I'm. I would imagine, as you hear about all these scripts, all the revisions that goes on, Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be surprised that Han was a green-skinned alien. Luke was a female. Yep. (laughs) He also talks about the doesn't believe in the Force. And he kind of – I heard somebody say, well, he's kind of the older moviegoers in the 70s that just – What's all this sci fi stuff coming out? You have mm-hmm. Star Trek, you have Battlestar Galactica, and now you have this. You know, what is all this stuff? So right. he's kind of an antithesis of those type of moviegoers. Sure. Or like, I all can this see space that. stuff. Right. It doesn't believe in all that stuff. But as we know, he does have a heart of gold and does finally come around and goes with the rebellion and ends up being a general in the rebellion. He's a ladies' man, of course. They mm-hmm. don't really delve into it quite as much as, like, Indiana Jones, but obviously has a heart for Leia and right. whatnot. So.
1: Yeah, that's also one of the greatest movie lines that um, when he's getting ready to get frozen in the carbonite, and Leia's like, I love you. And his response was, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what an arrogant piece I, of work.
0: <laughs> well, I, I did read that. There's some backstory on that, that he was complaining to George Lucas about some of the dialogue. Yeah. And so that's, he did just did that. That wasn't in the script. He was it's supposed to say, so great for back. his
1: character, but, though.
0: Yeah, exactly. He did it. And Lucas like, eh, you know, I kind of like that.
1: Let's yeah. just leave it in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad he did it because Lucas had definitely some cringeworthy dialogue in oh, a yeah. lot of his movies. But that line is so iconic. Yes, so defines his character.
0: One thing I was going to mention: we talked about Firefly or Serenity earlier. I guess if you look on a lot of the sets, and I'll have a link in the show notes with some pictures, there is Han Solo frozen in carbonite all throughout the Firefly series. There is he appears in there eight times in the background. So really, talking about the set designs. Yeah, you can see little miniature. And they're probably eight inches, six inches tall. Little casts of Han Solo frozen carbonite just in the background. Really, on several different. I'm rooms. gonna have to go back
1: and watch that. Yeah, That's
0: hilarious. Yeah, so I'll have a link in the show notes. Somebody went through and found them all. So bunch again, of Easter eggs hidden. In yes, there. That's exactly. Awesome. So you can see Han Solo all through the movies. That's all cool. through the TV
1: show. Excuse me. Yeah.
0: Cool. That's all I have on Han Solo, but great character again.
1: again. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I, I was able to finally do some research and found out the American Film Institute's... Uh top film heroes of all time. As previously discussed, Indiana Jones was number two. So number one was Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, which is a huge surprise for me.
0: Yeah. I Again, never seen the movie,
1: never read the book, but okay. Yeah. Did, did Atticus Finch spark four more movies, a TV show, a lunchbox, and a video game series? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't so. think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's doing up there. But anyway, some other notice, noticeable entries in there. James Bond was number three. I can see that. Rocky Balboa is number seven. Wait a minute, Han Solo number 14? fourteen. <laughs> oh
0: no. <laughs> Is this gonna affect the, the battle? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, like you said, he does have Indiana Jones does have four movies or three well, three movies?
1: Four four and counting. Yeah. Five coming out. If well are we gonna count the fourth one? <laughs> now we are.
0: <laughs> anyway, four movies, video games, books, TV series. Right. But you know, okay. Well, Atticus Finch. All right, so we are ready to do some battle here? Maybe we need to do Han oh. Solo or Indiana Jones versus Atticus Finch. No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we do not. <laughs> I don't want to read the book <laughs> or see so, the movie. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Let's do battle. All right. Han Solo does have a high pain threshold. Oh, that's if right. You remember the torture scene in sure. *Empire Strikes Back*, where uh, Vader you know puts him on that. I don't know what that thing is.
1: Uh, electrocutes him. Yeah, when he's uh, getting tortured or yeah. Uh, I will counter that with Indiana Jones, also has a high pain tolerances he like repeatedly got beat up and, and thrown yes. out of vehicles and even when he was trying to recover back on that ship Marion like flips the mirror and like whacks him right in the face but he still keeps coming back for more yes that was a great scene what is
0: the, the line it's not the it's not the miles it's the, or not the years it's the miles, the miles yep. <laughs> yeah
1: the waxing she turns them. the mirror and it cuts away to the outside of the ship and all you hear is a
0: scream uh,
1: <laughs> yes oh man he got the crap beat out of him constantly oh, yeah, like drug behind a truck truck and, yep yep, yep. Yeah, I don't know. That might be a push there. They both seem pretty tolerant to Pink. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because if you listen, I didn't realize this, but on Empire Strikes Back, when you you can hear him still screaming in the background as they're walking down the hall quite oh, a yeah, ways yeah, yeah, away. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't... I didn't notice that the first few times I watched it. And I was like, holy cow, you can still hear him
1: screaming right down the hallway. Well, and they brought him back to the cell and threw him there with Chewy, And he, like, couldn't stand yeah, up. couldn't even he, stand up. He was up. all, like, jacked up. But. Yeah. So he does have a high pain tolerance. Yeah. Huh.
0: And he did survive being frozen in carbonite. That's true. And they did your right uh, as soon as they unfroze him. He wanted to help Leia, even though he couldn't see.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was that's like, true. "Okay, we need to help Leia get out of here and and all that stuff." Yeah, because that whole battle over the, the that pit, he was, Sarlacc, the Sarlacc. Yeah. yeah, he was blind, blind. And, and he could barely. I mean, his yeah. coordination was kind of messed up and still took out equilibrium. Bubba Fett. Uh, being blind uh, yeah by accident that was oh i know i love that movie but uh that part that part where it's just like the galaxy's greatest bounty hunter gets taken out by like an accidental shot hit from behind yeah i I don't know
0: of course how would you
1: would you have done it i mean i don't know an epic battle maybe i guess i guess i guess i guess too much comedy there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess it does make for comedy value, but it was just kind of I am curious I don't know by the time this episode comes out, the um, the Mandalorian yeah. on Disney Plus will probably already be out. Yeah, it will be because yeah. we're recording it like the week before it comes yes. out, so we're still we're still, you know, out in the dark as far as that series goes. Yeah, so maybe we'll see more, but it looks it looks amazing though. It That's does. It does. Right. He's not going to get taken out by a blind guy on a gaffa
0: stick or whatever those things are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have that. You got Unfrozen, okay? He survived carbonite. Uh, Survived a nuclear blast in a refrigerator. (laughs) Come on. That's why you need the fourth movie. (laughs) That's why I need the fourth movie. There's my carbonite surviving story there.
0: Well, but then Han Solo does have a laser blaster, and he was trained in the military, but that could be a detriment because it's the same military that's trained stormtroopers. That is
1: true. And they can't hit yeah anything.
0: But he was a smuggler, and he did take out... You know, bounty hunters. I assume. I don't know. Yeah, but it doesn't delve much into that. But yeah, that's a con for me. As you did go to the stormtrooper shooting academy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm chalking that up. That's,
0: <laughs> that's terrible. I'll give you that point. But he does have a blaster. Indiana Jones
1: only has a whip and a and a pistol and a pistol. But he's got the whip. I, I know. mean, who that needs a laser is, blaster when you have a whip to do all uh, that kind a whip of stuff? Does look pretty cool. I'm gonna have to admit. <laughs> and, I, and I also want to put in the the fact that Han Solo has Chewbacca. You know, he's, yes. he's Right hand man through all that time. And Chewie saves his life on several occasions. Like he's, you know. That's why they're whatever bonded as friends. For yeah, if they saved each other's lives all these times. Where whereas Indiana Jones needs no sidekick, he survives all his adventures on his own. <laughs> in a refrigerator. In a refrigerator, and with a whip and a gun. Yes, and, and his own keen intellect. So he's a, he's a self-made man who needs no backup. Good point. Good yeah. point. Yeah, I don't know. It could be tough there. Yeah, I, I'll admit that I was afraid you were going to throw in the short round thing there. Where like short round was Indy's chewy, and I was going to come across the table at you. Short round. <laughs> yes. That was his name, right? Uh, yeah. From, yeah uh, was. Temple of I was going to say that, well,
0: he does have the little, the Asian kid with the block on his foot. Cause he can't reach yeah. the, the pedal. Yeah. I love that. Guy. Not his sidekick. <laughs> He's so funny. That's not the same guy that's in Goonies. I don't know. It's
1: not, it? it's not the same actor. I don't I didn't think so. I don't think, or maybe it is the actor who played short round is, I'm probably going to screw his name up here. Kee Hu Kwan. Yeah. I'm totally screwing that up. Uh, born in 1971 in Vietnam, stars in Goonies, stars in Indiana Jones: and The Temple okay. of Doom. So it was the same guy. Yeah, he was in apparently the X Men movie. Yeah, so same kid. Oh, Goonies, okay. Goonies, and Short Round. Okay, Short Round from uh, to Temple of Doom. Because Goonies' and would been, and Goonies. Well, Goonies would have been several years later. So that's why he's a little bit older. A little
0: bit older. Because I, I think. Temple of Doom was eighty one or eighty two or something like that. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was eighty four. So it was the same kid. So, yeah, same kid. So okay. So you're saying Indiana doesn't need a sidekick? He doesn't need when he was saddled with one in one movie. But, <laughs> forced uh, to. He was forced to have this sidekick <laughs> that he did not need. That's true.
0: That's true. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just think Han's got the blaster. I, that he does have could a, be a game changer. Edge. Could be a game changer, and yeah. it depends on if he's standing next to the Millennium
1: Falcon or not. Yeah, because Indy, Indy of doesn't have body. a ship. That's, like, not even fair. Yeah, I know. He doesn't need a ship. <laughs> he doesn't need a ship. <laughs> Unless Han just throws a snake at him. Yeah, I do have the one weakness with the snakes, so... That's yeah, his kryptonite. That's that's my kryptonite as far as if there's any sort of snakes involved in this battle. Yeah, it's over. It's over. <laughs> uh, so that is my phobia. I don't know. Cool. I don't know. Maybe well, we Leave it up to the listeners. Le- leave it
0: up to the listener. Let them decide if we missed something, but... Uh, it you just never know.
1: <laughs> it would be it would be such an epic. Not necessarily maybe a fight, but I would love to see like a comic book company or something if they could ever get the rights to both those characters yeah. and have like yeah. some sort of crazy crossover event. I saw something similar to that with a couple of the Jack Burton and the other Kurt Russell – Snake Plissken from Escape from New York where the two Kurt Russell characters were like linked up in some sort of comic, crazy comic crossover. They did – actually, they did do a crossover
0: and off to look it back up where it was. But that Indiana Jones was at an archaeology – a dig site Mm -hmm. and he found – the bones of Han Solo because he found the pistol and some other stuff oh. so he found a dig where the William Falcon had crashed Long or something like that time ago yeah. in the galaxy yeah, ball yeah. Ball away. so that's how they did it yeah. interesting tie in a, a comics version of it or a funny version of it, it would be Indiana Jones and Han Solo in a bar trying to pick up women yeah I think it would be fun <laughs> Mouse Isley or something like that yeah. and making a bed on, <laughs> on yeah. stuff it would be, be, be a fun cross because they're ladies man so yeah <laughs> All right, so next pick. We did
1: ships. We did ships. We did did anti-heroes. Anti-heroes. Now we're doing teddy bears. Teddy
0: bears. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. My memory's so bad. Did you go first?
1: I did go first. You're up on am a
0: Teddy bears. Sticking to the Star Wars theme, of course, you know that Return of the Jedi had the Ewoks. (laughs) (laughs) So the Ewoks are these little meter high yard high furry creatures that George Lucas came up with Ewoks is actually if you take Wookiee and you you say it pronounce it backwards i guess the way it sounds is Wookiee backwards okay that's how he came up with that is Ewok okay but they are on the planet, or the indoor moon, mm-hmm. and they are furry little creatures, and they're just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they live in the forest. They live in these little huts on the top of the tall trees there. hmm They are all over the planet. According to Kevin J. Anderson, he did the illustrated Star Wars, and he talks about them. They can pretty much adapt and live everywhere. So they're almost, <laughs> the way he portrays them is almost like rodents. Oh. They'll live in the, in the cliffs over here. They'll live on the lake, and they can build houses there, and they're just— Little survivors. Everywhere. Okay. They can adapt to pretty much anything. George Lucas wanted them to be primitive, wanted them to be on the planet to take out—help with taking out the Empire, as we see in the movie. Mm-hmm. They have their little gliders. They have their little log traps. traps. Pitfall, they have trap pitfall traps. They mm-hmm. have catapults. They have spears. They have hatchets. And somehow they're able to, to pierce stormtrooper ar- armor. Yeah. Again, they took know, out an ATST or something. ATST two as well. with it they and their traps. He did mention, though, that they do adapt quickly. So they, when they do see something, they can learn, learn it very quickly. As we saw when he steals a speeder bike, when they, they uh, take over the ATST, mm-hmm. they're able to drive it now. In that case, Chewbacca helped him drive it. But, right. Uh, at least they allude to that in Kevin J. Anderson's book that they can quickly figure stuff out. They're crafty little. Yeah. Crafty little burgers and they, yeah. they're they everywhere. <laughs> Again, yeah. they're like rabbits and, and rodents. <laughs> they also, after the, the war, some of them become what they call slicers, which are hackers. And they become coffee farmers two years after the Battle of Endor. This is all obviously extended
1: universe stuff. Right. So. The, Take it for what the, it's the dis, worth. The disowned <laughs> legends and myths you speak of.
0: <laughs> now, you'll be happy about this. In The Clone Wars, they talk about Ewok jerky that they're selling oh, on another planet. Really? <laughs>
1: yes. Interesting. Well, you bring up an interesting point with the Ewok jerky, because I remember they all have very cute, like, flat like teeth, like herbivore yes. teeth. Mm-hmm. But they were going to eat some people in Return of the Jedi. I mean, they had them strung up. Yes. And they were going to cook them. Yeah. They are not herbivores. No, they are clearly <laughs> omnivores. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, because they get captured and they hang them up and they're getting ready to burn them over the fire. I yeah. think Han was going to get burned
1: for, or cooked first. Yeah. I'm so, going to
0: spit. <laughs> which...
1: You know, reflecting back on a Han versus Indy fight, I should have totally brought up that Han got captured by teddy bears. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he had to be saved by a golden droid. You're okay. So that leads me into another thing I found out
0: that originally George was going to have Han be killed by Ewoks. Oh my goodness! And, and so, just think how shameful that would have been if we had Han yeah.
1: killed by Ewoks. That'd have been terrible. <laughs> that w- oh, that's almost that's worse than Boba Fett's like accidental. Death. <laughs> exactly. Oh my! Han gets killed by Ewoks. Thank God. Yeah. Oh, I so I it could have been worse. A it could
0: have been worse.
1: Yeah. So I mean, his death death at his son's hand was pretty epic. That have been that would have been terrible. If he died to the Ewoks. Yeah. Which is worse, being killed by an oh. Ewok or killed by your son with a lightsaber? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my
0: goodness. Ewoks would have been way worse. So. Oh, way worse. But uh, so the Ewoks were in the Return of the Jedi, but they also had a cartoon. Yep. Called the Ewoks that was kind of hand in hand with the droids cartoon that they had out at the same time because this was the 80s and he was trying to milk it for everything it was worth, I guess. Right. So they had an Ewoks cartoon that came out, I think, in 85 and 86, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah, 85 and 86 on ABC. Saturday morning cartoon. Then in 84, they had a made-for-TV movie. I remember. That came 14. out <laughs> <laughs> on ABC as well. So you're already kind of seeing the Disney tied to ABC already here. Yeah. Kind of. Anyway, so it was a live-action movie called The Caravan of Courage. hmm And it has two young kids that try to locate their parents on Endor or the moon of Endor. Because Endor was the name of the gas giant, and this is the moon of Endor, just to clarify, I guess, how that right. all worked. Well, that's not the movie I remember. There was a different movie I remember. And then, the okay, there's a second one called Ewoks, the Battle for Endor. That that's came the out movie I remember. Okay. And that's where they have the girl from the first movie is in it. And she gets orphaned, so her parents, so they find their parents, the parents die anyway later on, and joins the Ewoks to protect their village to defeat the Marauders who have taken control of the Indoor Moon. Those Marauders, I guess, had crashed
1: onto the planet. Okay. And there's this witch, the shape-shifting witch, and... Yeah, I did not realize there were two movies. I distinctly remember one as a kid and watching it painfully. But. <laughs> I was not a huge fan of the Ewoks if you're not picking up one. Yeah, one, I, guess. Really.
0: <laughs> I And they were kind of annoying too, but at the time when you're a kid and it's the 80s and you're like, like we talked about, at least where I live, we only had two channels most of yeah. the time. Yeah, so it was either it sure that was or limited. yeah, you just, you watched that or it was Falcon Crest or Golden
1: Girls or right. something. <laughs> right. There was a, there was no Netflix, no yeah, yeah. no cable, no so streaming. It was either this or nothing. Yep. So you watched it. <laughs> you did watch it, like it or
0: not, like it or not, you watched it. And we were always it's hard to imagine, but there was a time when there just wasn't a lot of Star Wars. This was after Return of the Jedi. They were done we hadn't heard anything about any other movies, so right. this was, was it.
1: At that time, there was no intention to yeah. make more movies, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that wasn't until much later. Yeah, not until much later. You're talking 10,
0: 15 years later. Like the late that, 90s or something yeah, like that. Yeah, before there was discussion. Of course, they had other characters in there that weren't mentioned. And I'm not going to go through them all, but I'll have them in the show notes. But the, the Ewoks were never mentioned by name in The Return of the Jedi, which I kind of forgot about. I was like, oh, yeah, they never really They never that. say the word Ewok in Return no, of the Jedi. they didn't. Hmm. They were just in the credits, and they list the names
1: of the Ewoks in the credits, like Wicket was kind of the primary one. Yeah, he was the one that was with Leia. Yeah. He was like the cutest, the cutest of the cutest. The cute ones, and he was the one featured in the the TV movies and in the cartoon.
0: Right. Of course, he was cutie. Then they had lots of weapons that Kenner made. Kenner made the Ewok battle wagon, oh, which yeah. is a battering ram <laughs> kind of device with the skull over it, and I'll have a... Picture in the show notes, but Kinder really this came out after the movie came out in eighty five. Okay, and they were really trying to keep the action figure gravy train going. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I never had any Kinder figures, but I know you had several of them. Yeah, you so never had the Ewok battle
1: wagon. I did not have the Ewok battle wagon. I'm I'm uh, embarrassed to say I do. I did own a couple of Ewok figures when I was a kid. I still have them. I showed yeah, them to you right yep, before the episode. Yep. I have Wicket and I have. I think it's their medicine man. He's like the Low grade. Master low grade. Yeah, he's like taller yeah. with like mm-hmm. the, the beige stripes. Yep. He Out of all the Ewoks, he was kind of the coolest to me because if I recall, his head thing had like a skull on yes, it. Yes, he did. Which yeah, was kind yeah. of like, all right, it's a teddy bear with a skull hat. That's yes. kind of cool.
0: <laughs> he does. Yeah, he has the skull over it and that's what this... The battle wagon has a skull, too. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll give him props for that. You can get a vintage I saw on eBay, a vintage Ewok battle wagon for $396. A steal. <laughs> Complete. <laughs> yeah. You can get incomplete for I think 19. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If you want, yeah. the, <laughs> if the you high
1: want price to a toy collecting, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if you want to drown yourself in Ewok lore, you yeah. can get the Ewok battle wagon and you can set it on fire. I say for $395, I can make an Ewok battle wagon. <laughs> this is like rough lumber and a couple of stone wheels. Yeah, and exactly. Like a paper mache skull. I love the, the primitive look <laughs> they try to give it. But that's kind
0: of the vibe they got is they're primitive. They're right. very
1: superstitious. Yeah, they're Stone Age yeah. culture that yeah. was kind of a throwback in that, whatever sci fi. But
0: they're very you know. vicious. But you look at them, and like I said before we recorded, and you kind of look at these pictures, you just see the black soulless eyes almost. They do have
1: like weird eyes, don't they?
0: And like I said, the teeth are just,
1: I don't, I don't think they're that cute other than they are kind of, you know, just the furry type teddy bear but. there was some paradox to him because like the wicked one was all cute when he was with leia and stumbling around mm-hmm. and she was you know kind of hugging him and helping him crawl over logs and then you're right you're right you'd see these other ones that are just like creepy looking with their <laughs> soulless eyes and their skull hats <laughs> and then the fact that they were going to eat people and it's just like wow these <laughs> things are weird yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah as a kid i just could not get over the fact that they were just giant teddy bears yeah and then when they started like winning against the stormtroopers, I was like, "What the? Yeah, it's. I mean, to me as a kid, like your the value of your hero is based on like how great your villain is. So as soon as the Ewoks were like giving it to the stormtroopers, it like devalues the stormtroopers, and therefore it devalues the rebellion. I because mean, the rebellion can't beat the stormtroopers, but the Ewoks can. I'm like, what that's, the heck? That's a know? good point. Yeah, there is. You're right. You're exactly right. When you watch that, you're like. This just isn't believable, right? Or I mean, if you want to believe it, then it's just like then the rebellion's useless. pathetic. It's, it's pathetic if yeah, the Ewoks <laughs> can beat the stormtroopers, the rebellion can with an axe and some yeah. spears, and so that's why I always have the problem with the the Ewoks. They should have they devalue the villains and therefore the heroes. The
0: I don't know how, how else would you have spent it. Not to spend a whole lot of time on that, but could you have still used the Ewoks? As a character to take out the empire in some way, shape, or form. Maybe, you know, he stole the speeder bike and, you know, Han says, Oh, well, now there's just one. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that's believable. Right. But all these Ewoks.
1: Coming from all sides and, and trying to take out the stormtroopers. Yeah, and all these elaborate traps that would have taken, like, hours to build suddenly, like, sprung yeah. up out of nowhere. Yeah. Kevin J. Anderson
0: talks about that because they had killed a bunch of the Ewoks in the area to put up the shield. Oh, so they already been fighting. So they before. were already starting to oh, okay. that makes try sense. to take them out anyway. Okay. Without, because they're very tenacious. That's another thing. They're, yeah. And they're tenacious and they easily adapt. So they—that's—he said. Oh, okay. Well, that's why some of these traps were already there. That makes sense. That's why they knew about where the base was at and some other things about them. Yeah, I don't know how else you would spin it if you had the Ewoks without some of that. But you're right; it puts in a, a tinge of misbelief or
1: disbelief. There yeah, go. and I understand why they did it. I mean, it, it sells toys. It attach attaches children to it of a certain age and certain mindset. I mean, you see it in the in the the new movies too. What was the Last Jedi where like? Yeah. Chewie befriends those porgs. The porgs, and, yes. You know he wants to eat it, but then he sees their sad little soulless black eyes. Yeah. You know it's, it's kind of this weird twist where he's going to eat the porg instead of him being eaten by the Ewoks. You know, years yeah. earlier. But, but there's this weird that they feel like compelled to like put these fuzzy, cute creatures in these movies, which I mean, it have their place, but sometimes I just like cringe at it, where it's like it's too heavy handed. Yeah, it's almost forcing it down your throat, right? And it's because they know they can sell. You know, ten billion worth of toys because they put a porg in this movie. They gave or it three Ewoks. minutes of film time. That's like completely pointless. Good
0: for the point. Storyline. At least the Ewoks had a decent amount of the movie, and
1: they kind of served a purpose. They did. They were intricate to the storyline as, as much as it pained me to see it. <laughs> and the porgs in the new one. I, I don't think they served a purpose at all, other than yeah. comedic relief and to sell toys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry to sound salty, but um, <laughs> but they, uh,
0: Lucas was going to have the Wookies. Take uh, take out the the empire on on indoor moon somehow yeah but he said he wanted more primitive characters because since the wookies had you know bowcasters and everything else he wanted primitive ewoks but still to be kind of fuzzy and furry yeah to do it so I don't know it's
1: crazy well what do we got on your side all right so I thought long and hard about what kind of uh, teddy bear outside of the star wars universe could possibly stand up to these raging ewoks (laughs) and i've decided to go with the uh the brutal care bears all right so an adversary worthy of the ewoks since we were talking about you know villains devaluing heroes uh this is my villain to to devalue your hero yes uh so the care bears originally made in 1981 by american greeting cards is just a way to sell Ah. greeting cards Really? And yeah, and they became so popular that they became a teddy bear toy in 1983. And then by 1985, they got their own TV show, uh, which lasted three years. They got their own cartoon show. Uh, there were three feature films, cartoon, obviously. And between uh, 91 and present day, they've been relaunched four times in, in on TV and cartoons. Really? So they just will not go away, speaking of Tenacious. Yeah. <laughs> four times? Yeah. Wow. And it all started out just the they were cute bears on greeting cards. On a greeting card. That's all it was. Who would have thought? Yeah.
0: I did not know that. I thought they were always just the the plush bears that you bought, and they came no. out with a
1: cartoon. And kind of like G.I. Joe, they use, or MOTU, where they use the cartoon to, to sell, sell bears. Toys. Yeah, Nope. All the way around. Try to sell cards, and then it just spun into toys Poison. and cartoons and everything else. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. Uh, I don't know if there's been anything else like any other toy line or kids cartoon that has spun out of something so random as like these greeting cards.
0: Well, mate. Okay. There is one. Jimmy Neutron was a character that they created for a toothpaste commercial.
1: Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's where that got started. Then he My, got his own show. Then
0: he got his own show. My kids are watched it a lot back in, you know, it's been early two thousands. Okay. Interesting. But yeah. That was a TV commercial okay. carto- or, Yeah, TV toothpaste commercial. All right. Yeah. So there's one, but greeting cards. I know. What? Yeah. <laughs> Out of the blue.
1: <laughs> so the Care Bears, they come from the Kingdom of caring, <laughs> which uh, their home in the Kingdom of caring is Carolotte, obviously a spinoff of Camelot. They draw oh, awesome. a lot of stuff from Arthurian legends, actually, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Uh, Other locations in the Kingdom of Caring include the Forest of Feelings, (laughs) uh, where the Care Bear Cousins live. There's a whole, like, non-bear. There are other creatures, uh, the Care Bear Cousins. You know, equally adorable. Uh, Okay. uh, But they live in in the Forest of Feelings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it I mean, this is hurting me to do this yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> 10 original Care Bears uh, when they launched the cartoon Bedtime Bear Birthday Bear Cheer Bear Friend Bear Funshine Bear Good Luck Bear Grumpy Bear Love a Lot Bear Tender Heart Bear and Wish Bear okay so they're kind of like the seven dwarves but they're all bears, okay. like bears feelings and, and they're bears like I said pay a lot of uh Franchise homage to the King Arthur with the Carolot. is like Camelot, also reminiscent of Lancelot's name in the Castle of Carolot, The Care Bears sit around a round table, similar to Arthur oh, and his okay. knights. So I remember that now. Yeah, okay, really, really drew a lot from it, which is kind of interesting. So the Care Bears, they don't eat people like the Ewoks. <laughs> they, don't, they don't build elaborate traps to crush ATSTs and and whatnot. What they have is their ultimate weapon is the Care Bear stare. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they stand together in a group and they radi- radiate light from their tummies. And on their tummy is like the symbol of, you know, yep. like a heart or a cloud. Yeah, or whatever like, Good Luck Bear has the shamrock. horseshoe or the shamrock. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. So all their little Care Bear stare light radiates out of their little cute, adorable tummies, and it forms a ray of love and good cheer, which can target. Anyone's heart and bring them to like a happy, warm place. <laughs> and, uh, you know, warm takes all fuzzy. the bite out of their heart. Oh my gosh! So they I will kill that. you with kindness. Kind, literally, <laughs> literally kill you with <laughs> kindness. Yeah. So there's s- several different ways they show them the cartoons. Sometimes it was just one beam coming out of a stomach. Sometimes they would like join up and all the beams would come together to make a giant rainbow beam. But it always involved like basically killing their opponents with kindness. Kindness. Of, the, but they would just like the all, villain. All the evil would leave oh, their heart. That's <laughs> awesome. So the Care Bears, they would uh, sit in Carolot, and they had a carometer oh that reflected gosh. all the caring that was happening on Earth. <laughs> That's and awesome. When the carometer got too low, uh, it would affect Carolot, where, like, all the colors would get desaturated, and, oh, like, things okay. would sort of turn black and Turned white. gray and stuff. Yeah. And stuff. Okay. So they would go on caring missions to Earth to bring caring back to the Earthlings, which would then save... Care-Lot. Didn't they have a couple kids? I mean, they always did that in those yeah, cartoons. Um, they had a couple kids, I think I remember. Yeah, they were like the foil characters that yeah. like, you could identify with as a young child yeah. to watch it. Yeah, so they would go on these caring missions to bring um, the light back to care and bring caring oh, into the world. Yes,
0: I love the catchphrases. Care Bears, prepare to stare.
1: Oh, yeah, they love their rhymes. Yes. Care Bears,
0: countdown. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So they uh, came a plush teddy bear in 1983. Did you have a Care Bear? I did not have a Care Bear. I I you watched, bro- but not a Care, My, Care, Care Bear. My younger brother did, and no. I kind of remember watching, because they had some movies. Yeah, three three feature films. And the feature films? Oh, so it wasn't TV movies, were they?
1: No, well, I think, the, I think they were only, they were released to TV, but oh, they were okay. feature length, I guess. Okay, okay. But not theatrical. Theatrical. Real- okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, three years of cartoon and uh, three feature films. It just hurts me to say this, because, like, Thunder the Barbarian... Black Star, Brave Star—all these great cartoons did not have three-year runs. No, but the Care Bears did. It did it's like, oh, what? No, Why? <laughs> now Lee, we I need know. a Care Bear stare. You I know, need I know. Uh, what is his name? Carolot uh, or uh, Cheer Bear? You need uh, some Cheer. Bear. I need Cheer Bear to come, or Sunshine Bear, or something, because because <laughs> apparently I'm Grumpy Bear. I'm, I'm Grumpy Bear. <laughs>
0: they uh, were 1983, though. I remember remember that a little vaguely because I was still pretty young, but. Those things were huge. Oh, yeah. Everybody wanted one of those. Like the Tickle Me
1: Oma was in the 90s. Everybody wanted a Care Bear. Well, I was going to say, as as you were talking about the Ewoks, because Return of the Jedi came out, what, 83? 83, I believe. Mm -hmm. Care Bears became a teddy bear in 83, and then a cartoon in 85. And when did, like, was the big teddy ruxpin? I think that was a little later, but yeah. Was it? Yeah. It just, for whatever reason, mid-80s, like, there was a teddy bear... Bonanza. I think Ruxman is eighty six. Was it Or eighty seven? But still,
0: yeah. well within this mid eighties this like
1: timeline. Teddy bears were all the rage from Why? Ewoks to Care Bears to Teddy Ruxpin. Like it was. Yeah, you could kind of say that the
0: Care Bears kicked it off because I was in eighty one when she created them. Yeah, golden and, age of yeah, and, and teddy bear. Maybe toys. George Lucas is like, I'm going to create a Care Bear, but. We're going to call them Ewoks. Yep.
1: <laughs> well, you, you can see the picture that you have in your print on here. And you'll, I, you can put in the show notes if you want. But yep. the picture of the Ewoks cartoon, mm-hmm. they look a lot like Care Bears. They do. Yeah. The way they're, they're animated is very Care Bear-like. Oh, yeah. Very, very much. Yep. And then I think Disney had the
0: Gummy Bears Was TV there a Gummy show? Bear TV there show? A, there was a Gummy Bear cartoon that came out. It was later. I think it was 87 or 88. Well, they probably saw the money that the Care Bears and Ewoks were making. Same type of concept, though. Yeah. All these cute, cuddly bears. And you had a grumpy bear for the gummy bears. And you had the kind of right. the chubby one. And the, the – and Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of bears in the 80s. Yeah.
1: Nonetheless, I need to make a list of all the cartoons that deserved three seasons that didn't get it, but that you watched did, from like you know, Silverhawks to, like, like you said, uh, Thundar
0: Thunder, and, and everything Grey else. Star, Black Star. Okay, but you don't give, but you give the caribers. I, I, I know why. I guess why. I'm, I'm in the minority, I guess. It's the general appeal. It's yeah. all cutesy. And
1: yeah. I guess Thundar didn't sell enough stuffed animals, I guess. I would have bought a Ukla the Mock <laughs> Plush, plush <laughs> well, animal. She, yeah, in a heartbeat. The Care Bear,
0: exactly throwing the Care Bears, the yeah. Care Bear stare. Yeah, we have to bring now that. Now when you talk to people, like I'm going to give you the Care Bear stare. Care Bears, prepare to stare. <laughs> All
1: awesome. right, are we ready to do some Ewok on Care Bear
0: yes. battle here? Action there. All so right, let's let's fight it out. Let's do it. The Ewoks, of course. Have the advantage because now this again this could be either way because as we talked about the stormtrooper shooting ability isn't that great, <laughs> but they did take out a battalion of elite soldiers, scout walkers, elites with a relative terms. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, with rock sticks and the, the 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 logs that come together and crush yeah, the ATST various traps. Yes, so they they know how to make some weapons and they know how to. Funnel you into those into weapons, the traps. I guess it's a
1: trap. Uh, I do remember that one scene where they're funneling the stormtroopers into their trap, and that one like Ewok gets shot, and another one tries to like wake yeah. his buddy up, and he, yes. and then he starts crying. And like I, I remember that as a kid, like all the other kids would be like, no, like there was wailing and gnashing and cheering at that scene. I was cheering. Little <laughs> <laughs> Ewok <laughs> was like, yeah, yeah! shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> He's all like, we're having Ewok jerky for dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ewok jerky tonight.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs>
1: but then they play the side music in the background when they yeah, all die. So. They only show that one Ewok dying. Uh, That's the only one. You were disappointed. Yeah, I was. like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but on the con
0: side, I will say that they're not very intelligent. Uh, they're not very advanced. They're not very they're advanced. Ewoks. They're, they're crafty for they're, their primitive state. Right? They're crafty, but they...
1: They're very primitive. They're very primitive. Um, they yeah. don't have
0: lasers or anything, but they, they have the potential to. Yeah. Because they're very crafty. They and sp- adapt
1: quickly if you give yes. them guns.
0: Very Yeah, adapt very quickly.
1: I'll admit that they don't radiate love and energy from yeah. their chest. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not in the business of killing Ewoks with my Care Bear army. But uh, when, when my Care Bear stare, I'm thinking I'm taking them all out of the fight at a distance, no less. Yes. Because the Ewoks didn't have a whole lot of ranged weapons beyond like throwing spears, and I think there was a sling or two. Yeah, I think a sling. Yep, you're right. But if I blast you with a rainbow arc of caring. Uh, I, I think your army's just going to evaporate on the field there yeah but as as Kevin J. Anderson alluded to they're everywhere
0: they're just everywhere. sheer
1: numbers uh, so I think it was a war of attrition I'd need a Care Bear Death Blossom to get them all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that would be good. All the Care Bears get like in this giant sphere and start rolling yeah, and around. Spin around. All these Care Bear blasts flying everywhere. Yes. Get them all in range. <laughs> don't do it until they're all close.
0: Don't <laughs> shoot <laughs> <laughs> until you hear the, or see the white of their eyes. Yeah, they don't have whites of their no, eyes. They, really they have, have soulless
1: guys. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, you're right. They don't have it. They'd be too close. By the Did time they? I got the Care Bear Death Blossom off, they'd be too close. It's too late. Can the can the care bears teleport? I don't I don't remember that or No, I don't recall te- they had some sort of way to get between Carolot and Earth, but I don't think it was like a like teleportation at will. Okay. They did have a few like other special abilities. They could just, like summon harp-shaped balloons. They they had cloud cars. <laughs> I think they could make rainbow bridges. And they could use their Care Bear tummy lights as, like, a signal as well, okay. as, in addition to it. I do remember the bridges. Button. Yeah, they'd, then they'd kind of slide over like a yeah. slide. So all these weapons suck. <laughs> a balloon. Here, <laughs> I can hit you with heart-shaped balloons, <laughs> run you over with my cloud car, and then you'll just get right back up because it right back did back. nothing to you because I, I ran over you with moisture and Oh, <laughs> <All> that's awesome. <laughs> I agree. Yeah,
0: I'm going to run you over with my cloud car. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah, I they, know, they would crush the cloud car between the logs. That's true. They would keep on going. Those logs <laughs> smash, and just, the Care Bear car would just keep going. actually. I, I can
0: see you know, the the as proven. The Ewoks are pretty vicious. They take all the stormtroopers' helmets, and they don't know what said yeah. what they did to their heads. They turn them into turn drums. them into drums. <laughs> oh yeah! So I can see. I can envision an Ewok just ripping into the squeezing into the ter- at, at Care Bears fabric and just pulling out <laughs>
1: pulling stuffing
0: oh <out> <laughs> uh, yeah he's like crawling on the floor trying to get away and he just takes a knife and just rips off their head or something <laughs>
1: so they're pretty vicious I would pay good money to watch this actually yeah
0: yeah you have the I have a picture of it you see you see the Ewoks face there I mean he's oh yeah where they are cheering the like the dead stormtroopers looking pretty vicious there and standing on top of the ATST and having yeah. spears in hand but I don't know but yeah I think I think the Care Bears lose, but
1: uh, (laughs) it it all depends on like range and circumstance. I think if they can get that Care Bear stare off and get like all the warm feelings, take out their their leader somehow, and yeah, and And then like the Ewoks they don't get try to attack, and like maybe the Care Bears that feel good would turn on their own kind. (laughs) Care Bear on Care or uh, Ewok on Ewoks fighting each other for the sake of the that's true, and they are superstitious. Yeah, at first, yeah, because they totally. All for C-3PO's golden... Golden god. floating thing. Oh, speaking of which, there's got to be like a golden Care Bear. Ooh. It could totally be a god. Wow, there is a golden... I think there is a yellow one. Sunshine Bear probably. Yeah, un- sun- yeah I
0: think it is. I think it's Sunshine Bear. I'm actually embarrassed by my knowledge of Care Bears now. Thank you, Lee Cersei. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I can never watch in public again.
1: <laughs> I already lost my nerd card on the Serenity fight. <laughs> now I have an ex- exorbitant knowledge of you're, Care Bears. <laughs> you're uh, getting deeper in the hole. Oh. You have to take a lot to get out. You're going to have to watch a lot of Thundar and Conan yeah. to
0: get out or I something. I need to go draw some Barbarians for like yeah, a couple of months You <laughs> do. That, there you go. Conan yeah. taking out the Care Bears oh. or the Ewoks. Yeah. Destroying an Ewok village. That would work too. Actually, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Just wearing you know, fur cloaks and loincloths made out of Ewok fur. It was like a quilt made of the Care Bears' you know, chest <laughs> things, you know, the, the shamrock, the sunshine. And there and stuff. you go. So, well, let us know, Listener, what do you think. Who would win between Care Bears or Ewoks, or maybe nobody cares. Or yeah, maybe, or there's,
1: maybe there's no winners. In this there's fight. no winners. Only losers in <laughs> there's this. There's only one. losers
0: in this fight. But it was fun. So yeah. Well, thanks, Lee. I appreciate it. I'll put a link in the show notes to the the Facebook page for you. So definitely, I appreciate hit it. Lee. Up and see if he can draw you Conan destroying
1: Ewoks. That would be a fun commission. I yeah. would love to be commissioned to draw Conan Ewoks. <laughs> you would get moved to the front. I would, yeah. You go right to the front of the queue. <laughs> yes. Maybe not do it for free, but you get moved to the
0: front of the queue. There might be a discount. I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> Care Bears or Ewoks, which one do you want to see die?
1: Either. I'm good with either.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Lee. I appreciate it. We'll have to figure out another topic and have another nerd.
1: Death yeah, match. Al- always great on the show. I always love our death matches. So no, much. you walks or care bears though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks.